1: Legendary broadcaster Dick Cavett on Radio J-Dub. Well, I do often think of
0: you as one of mediocrity's worst enemy.
1: The other ones are complete bullshit. That's right, kids. Time for another episode of Radio J-Dub. As always, Radio J-Dub, the audio incarnation of the most interesting independent sports blog on the web. Said it before, say it again, one of the reasons why we are the most interesting independent sports blog on the web, our cast of characters, you know them, you love them, you can't blog without them, Chris Uphries at sportschump.net, Bruce Burns at SportsAttitudes. Attitudes, Ryan Meehan doing his thing over at First Order Historians, and our own JFI. Mentioned this in last week's podcast, got some interesting things coming up uh, for baseball opening day that JFI is working on, you're going to want to stay tuned to dubsism.wordpress.com to see all those. Uh, you can find us, if you want to send us an email, you can find us at dubsism at yahoo.com. Twitter, at Dubsism. We're on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, you name it, we're out there. Dubsism, D-U-B-S-I-S-M. We're a first page search result on Google. Breaking news as we are recording this podcast, according to ESPN and credible sources. Denver Bronco quarterback, Peyton Manning, intends to announce his retirement tomorrow. Now, we've talked a lot about Peyton Manning on the blog and on the podcast. I think mean, he is one of the biggest stars in the most popular sports league in this country. If he is, in fact, retiring, via Dios, Peyton, it's been a nice ride. Best of luck to you in your future. You know he's ending up with some job in football, be it on television, coaching, whatever. He's he's got a future. It's not like he needed to save his money because he's never going to get another job. He's going to do quite well. The one area where he's not going to do well is if you go back in the annals of Dubsism, a few years back, we compiled a list of the 30 greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Peyton Manning is not in the top 10 on that list. And despite the fact that he just won his second Super Bowl, he's not moving up as far as I'm concerned. um, And there's there's a lot of reasons for that. We'll put a link to this on the blog so you can go back and and see it. But There's an argument why I think Peyton Manning might be one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Uh, The guy the day's retiring, I'm not going to beat on him, but go go read the article and and you'll see why I feel the way I do about Peyton Manning. Lots of other stuff in today's episode. We are going to have a bit of storytelling about feminist comedy. Again, you have to understand, beginning of March, we're still about two weeks away from March Madness. We're kind of in a dead zone for sports, so this podcast may have a more filler in it than a prison meatloaf. But it's still going to be entertaining stuff, which is not necessarily going to be all about sports. Like I said, a monologue about feminist comedy. Speaking of guys that are retiring, we're going to do a Los Angeles Dodger fact that is going to pay... Homage to Vin Scully, who says this is his last year behind the microphone for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's been doing that since 1951, before the Dodgers were ever in Los Angeles. I'm almost 50 years old. I've never known Dodger baseball without Vin Scully, so we're going to talk a little bit about him, keeping the topic in California and, oddly enough, in sports after what I just said about a prison meatloaf, Tales of Gloom and Despair going to talk about Steph Curry. What's gloomy and despairing about Steph Curry? You're going to want to stay tuned and find out. Going to have another episode of Mr. Dubs's Neighborhood. We're going to have a very, very important lesson that a lot of us need to learn after last week's Academy Awards. And last, but certainly not least, and it may not even be least and last in our chronology because we don't know how this is going to shape up when we edit. Going to talk a little bit about the Academy Awards and how duplicitous and disingenuous, they really are. Those are really big words for meaning they are not terribly honest when they are telling you things when they're trying to advance their political agenda. Also, the Academy Awards, not really genuine in its origin. Again, that's the filler in the prison meatloaf. One last little bit of business. Mentioned this last week. We here at Radio J-Dub and at Dubsism in general. We are on a project supporting the National Kidney Foundation. Go over to dubsism.wordpress.com. Look on the main page of the blog, Lucy's Little Kidney That Could. Give this a click, give it a share, give it a like. Help us spread the word. You might as well. It don't cost nothing. Having said that, we are always willing to accept donations, which will always be greatly appreciated, should you be so inclined. Instructions on how to do so right there. Lucy's Little Kidney That Could, you can find that on Facebook. Again, you can find it at dubsismwordpress.com. Like I said, give it a like, give it a share, give it something, help us spread the word, throw a couple of bucks our way, it's a good cause, it'll make you feel better and help you sleep at night, and might make people think that you're not as much of an asshole as you really are. Having said that, let's tell some stories.
0: And now, despite numerous requests, here's Johnny. Ah!
1: You know, every time I think political correctness in this country can't get any worse. It gets worse. When I'm not recording podcasts, I'm listening to them, because when I'm not recording podcasts, I have a job that requires me to be behind a desk for long hours at a time doing things that aren't terribly exciting. So to keep my mind engaged, I listen to all sorts of different things. One of the people I listen to regularly is Nick DiPaolo. You've heard of him, maybe you've not. If you haven't, check him out. He's a comedian. He does his own podcast on Riotcast Network. It's well worth a listen. But besides being a comedian, he's very much a common sense sort of guy, and he brought up a topic the other day that just about had me wrapping duct tape around my head so my brain wouldn't explode, and that was a little something in New York City that's called the Cinder Block Comedy Festival. Now, I'm not going to put up any links to this crap, and I'm not going to give it any more due than I'm going to here just to mention that it's a reason why politically correct bullshit is killing this country. What do I mean by that? The Cinderblock Comedy Festival has decided to take up this complete horseshit cause about income inequality in America. And what I mean by that specifically is that we're grabbing on to the old feminist idea from the 70s that women make less money than men do for doing the same job. Okay, we'll come back to that. Sticking with the comedy festival, their way of protesting this is that they have decided through something that I can't even believe is legal, that they're going to charge white males more for admittance to their comedy festival than women or people of color or anybody who identifies themselves as an L-G-B-T-Q-R-S-T-U-V, whatever the fuck that, uh, acronym is. It keeps changing every day. To me, it sounds like a glorified uh, BLT sandwich at Denny's, but, you know, what do I know? Here's the thing. We spend so much time in the new American left of this country crying about discrimination and racism, and we're always beating the drum of inclusion, but now we're proving something that I have said from day one. None of that shit matters, if you're a white Christian male. If you're a white Christian male in this country today, the PC police have painted a big fucking target on your back. You are responsible for all that is wrong in this country when, in fact, the opposite is true. Hate to break this to you, but white Christian males founded this country. White Christian males built this country. And you can go back and you can cry to me about all the shit that happened in the past and you can apply today's panty-wasted politically correct morals to it Yeah, slavery was bad. Yeah, killing off the Indians was bad. Boo-hoo, that was 150 years ago, and guess what? There is nobody alive today who is causally affected by, nor morally responsible for, the sins of 40 generations ago. Okay? just not. America is not the same place it was in the 1860s. But yet, we keep trying to go back to those days, because that's what gives people in the left... Reasons to beat the shit out of white Christian males. Now, before we get all unglued over this, let's not forget, this is this is a a comedy festival, which is only being held by a bunch of feminists and other leftists, so you know they ain't funny. So they're never going to make any money on this. Plus, once the word gets out, oh, here's the dirty little secret. White Christian males are probably one of the largest demographic groups in this country, because whether you like it or not, 70% of the people in this country are white. And half of those are men. So that means you're pissing off one out of every three people right off the bat with this stuff. It's not really a sound business decision, now is it? But let's talk about how feminism fucks up everything. Start with this bullshit about income inequality. Now let me tell you a dirty little secret about that. Okay, when I'm not listening to podcasts and recording podcasts, I have been in management for over 20 years, and that ranges from startups to Fortune 500 companies. I've got a rich background in human resources, and I'm going to tell you, this income inequality thing is bullshit. And there's a couple of big reasons why it's bullshit. One, most jobs in this country are paid by the hour. Okay, You go in and you fill out a job application for a job at... XYZ company doing a middle-of-the-road task you get paid hourly. Well, the best way for XYZ company to get sued out of existence is for somebody to find out that walking in the door off the street with no experience, we will pay a man 25% more than we pay a woman. That's a class-action lawsuit just waiting to happen, and if there's a lawyer listening to this podcast, he's probably getting a boner at the thought of catching a company doing that. Because the minute he does and that company has any money, this lawyer is going to be able to buy himself an island in the South Pacific. Now, if you want to talk about salary jobs, okay, salary jobs. Again, if you got caught paying women less for the same job, you're going to have a big problem. But the issue with salary jobs is that salary jobs are paid by experience. A lot of salary jobs have bonuses and commissions. Why does that matter? Here's something that women can do that men now legally can do but almost never do, and that is exercise their uh, rights under the Family Medical Leave Act and get 12 weeks of unpaid leave a year. If a woman wants to have a baby, she can get three months off without pay. Well, guess what? That is the number that almost exactly corresponds to the number that the feminists will tell you women don't make. They will love to tell you that women make about 75% less than men. Well, here's how they come up with that number. They go out and they find a bunch of women who have salary jobs, don't show up for them for three months because they're having children, and then say, well, that woman made, made 75% of what that guy did in a year. Well, it's because she did 75% of the work. That's the part they don't tell you. Another thing that's really duplicitous about the income inequality argument is that they pick and choose what they like to consider compensation. And one of the things that they've chosen is compensation that goes to workers killed and injured on the job. Do you know that over 90% of on-the-job deaths and injuries occur to men? Do you know why that is? Because while the feminists are running around crying about equal pay for equal work, there's jobs they ain't going anywhere near. You don't see the feminist crowd, you know, picketing outside of a coal mine saying, hey, we demand jobs. They want, like, CEO jobs. They want, you know, white-collar, high-salary jobs. You don't see the feminists out, you know, wanting to be the guy who throws stuff into the back of a trash-compacting truck. Interesting how that works, isn't it? Here's another thing that that feminism has caused, and this, this is where you go back and you look at college campuses. The feminists and the Black Lives Matter people, you know, they're doing their same thing where they want some sort of segregation. They want safe, safe zones exclusively for their people. You know, women want, you know, women-only zones. Black want black-only zones. <sighs> There's a great way to take us right back to the 1860s. That's not a coincidence. This is one of the big reasons why America doesn't do anything great anymore. Why? Nobody knows how to work with anybody anymore. Seriously. Seriously. One of the big reasons why this country is in the shape that it's in is because you have two groups of people, the do-nothing liberals and the religious conservatives, where everything has to be their way. It's my way or nothing. It's my way or nothing. This is what you hear assholes like Ted Cruz and Hillary Clinton saying. And this is why Donald Trump is so popular in this country. Frankly, I don't know if I like Donald Trump or not, It's time that we created a guy like this, because he's pissing off both sides that are causing the problems in this country. But on the other hand, part of me lays awake at night thinking this guy could be the worst possible thing to hit this country. But even if he is, the two groups that I mentioned before, the Do Nothing Liberals and the Religious Conservatives, they're Dr. Frankenstein and Trump's the monster they created. You stop and think about it. The last 16 years in this country have been run by, you know, a mouth breather like George W. Bush and a flat-out communist like Barack Obama, both products of the extremists in their parties. Well, Trump is a guy who walks down the middle of that aisle, and he calls bullshit when he sees bullshit. That's why he's resonating with people. What does this have to do with a comedy festival in New York? Politically correct bullshit is killing comedy in this country. And when you kill comedy, you're killing free speech. And when you kill free speech, you're killing America.
0: I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, the team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, you Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Hey, hey kiss it goodbye, it is gone. Oh, I thought he hit the other one hard. That one's in Milwaukee. What's your of the game? What the fuck you think is my opinion of it? I think it was fucking horseshit. Jesus Christ, he beat us with three fucking home runs. Jesus Christ.
1: Mentioned in the open that I am a 50-year-old guy, and I have never known Dodger baseball without Vince Scully. Well, Vin Scully says this is going to be his last year behind the mic in Los Angeles after 67 seasons of being the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I know it's the
0: truth, other booths have two guys Sometimes three, that's not for me <coughs> Cause I like a place with the space for just one guy One's enough don't touch my stuff. Don't know that I will, but until I can find me, some son of a gun whose home's fun, but not bourgeoisie, I'll be what I've been. Solitary Vin, and the guy Guess there are guys baseball wise who come in handy if I should sneeze or get attacked by bees. This may be someone who is fun and enchanting, a concessionaire or a dancing bear. But if he's not pie. With a short to too pressy, a dude in a suit who is mute and not too gassy, I'll be what I've been. Solitary Vin. And the guy next to Solitary Vin. And the guy next to Don't know that I will, but until I can find Someone who wants new or spills too. Oh yeah, whoopee, I'll be what I've been. Solitary Vin. And next to Solitary Vin. And the guy next to Solitary Vin.
1: Vin's ben. given us a head fake on this more than once. He's been saying for a long time, that this is going to be his last year, this is going to be his last year, this is going to be his last year, and then we get to August, and he says, "Nah, I'm coming back for one more year. Well, when you're Vin Scully, you get to do that. As a kid, I was spoiled because I got to hear three of the greatest play-by-play guys ever. Vin Scully with the Dodgers. You had Dick Enberg as the voice of the California Angels. And you had Chick Hearn doing Los Angeles Lakers games. Now, I don't care what or who you want to nominate. Those are three guys that are in the conversation. If you're going to build a Mount Rushmore, as much as I get tired of that argument, if you're going to build a Mount Rushmore of play-by-play guys, those are three guys that are in the conversation. And if you leave one of them out, your conversation is not worth having. Those are three of the greatest of all time. And even amongst those guys... Vin Scully sticks out head and shoulders above anybody else. I mean, there's a reason why he's such an icon, and it's not just the fact that he's been behind the Dodger microphone for damn near 70 years. There's a reason why the baseball announcer on the Simpsons, when they're doing the Springfield Isotopes games, there's a reason why that guy sounds exactly like like Vin Scully. Vin Scully invented something that, radio people, TV people, podcasters use all the time to this day, and that's the live read. Vin Scully invented that. Vin Scully is the guy who manages to find a way to work in plugs during the action of a live broadcast. It's masterful how he does it, because he's so smooth, you really don't even recognize that he's doing it. And I can't do Vin Scully's voice. He says things like, Hey, let's take out from that triple play to talk about Farmer John's Pure Pork Sausage. And we're going to miss something terribly when Vin finally goes away. If this is the year, if this is not the year, I'm hedging my bets and doing this homage now. But here's the other thing. Vin Scully represents this week's Los Angeles Dodger fact. Every Dodger World Championship has happened with Vin Scully behind the microphone. If the Dodgers intend to win another championship, I would like to remind them that Vin Scully is 87 years old, says he's retiring, but even if he doesn't, he's 87. Clock's ticking, gang. It's a fact.
0: You'll really win the pennant.
1: For about the last calendar year now, the Golden State Warriors have been the best team in basketball. Their run through the playoffs last year, unexpected. A lot of people said they couldn't do it. Lo and behold, they did. The way they started this year, people talking about them uh, challenging the Bulls record for 72 regular season wins, could possibly happen. One of the major reasons why, or could happen, Steph Curry. Steph Curry is emerging as the best player in the NBA right now. So why is that a tale of gloom and despair? Because Steph Curry puts it to a lot of people on a daily basis. First and foremost, Stephen A. Smith. Legendary ESPN loudmouth. Stephen A. Smith, on record. Can't win with a jump shooting team in the NBA. Beat that drum so hard last year I thought it belonged to Neil Peart. Can't win with a jump-shooting team. Can't win with a jump-shooting team. Can't win with a jump-shooting team. Guess what? They won with a jump-shooting team. Came out this year. Won like 65 games in a row without ever losing, or some ridiculous number. Anyway, they're winning as a jump-shooting team. Stephen A. Smith got called out by that by Shaquille O'Neal on Shaq's podcast, and I thought it was awesome. "Uh, Hey, Stephen, Uh, what's this about can't win with a jump-shooting team? Uh, what, What do you think Steph Curry's doing right now? Didn't really have a good answer for it. Second of all... When you're a team that's not winning and you're always in the lottery and you look at guys that you passed up that might have helped you get out of the lottery, what about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Did you know the Minnesota Timberwolves passed on an opportunity to draft Steph Curry twice? That's why they're the Timberwolves. I've written about uh, the Timberwolves before. You can go back in the annals of dubsism.wordpress.com and you can see an article I wrote about Kevin McHale when he was the president-slash-general-manager-slash-coach-general-all-things-fucker-upper for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. And you look at his draft picks, there's some horrifying decisions in there. To me, the, ba- the the move that defines the Minnesota Timberwolves before passing on Steph Curry, not once, but twice, one more time, not once, but twice, when they traded Ray Allen on draft day for Stephon Marbury. Now, they got a couple of good years out of Starbury, but Ray Allen might be the greatest shooter ever, not named Steph Curry or Larry Bird. That's a fact. Wrong segment for that, but it's a fact. Let's talk about the kind of gloom and despair that Steph Curry hands out on a daily basis. Let's say, for the sake of argument, you're a guard in the NBA. And you look at the calendar, and today's the day you got to play the Golden State Warriors. And, oh, wait a minute, your job is to guard Steph Curry. Tell me that's not gloom and despair. What's your victory condition? You're not going to shut him down. Is it a victory if you hold him to 25 points? Is it a victory if you hold him to 30? Is it a victory that he doesn't follow you out of the game by breaking your ankles, or when you can't do anything with him, he just stops and pops from 35? That shot he hit the other night against the Thunder at the end of the game, that was just sick. And not only did he hit that shot from at least 35 feet, look at the game clock. Dude had three seconds left on the clock. That wasn't a desperation shot. He dribbled himself to that spot and said, you know what? I can hit this from here. And he did. You know Steph Curry is one of those kind of guys that if he hits rim and it still goes in, he still thinks he missed? Because you watch Steph Curry shot. I mean, if, if that's not net, he don't like it. What do you do with a guy that can shoot 50% from anywhere in a gym? How do you stop him? If you're the guy that has to guard him, if you're the guy tasked with stopping him, how do you not just go, fuck it? What what, what am I going to do with him? I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to get used for 30 points, and then, what, you call up every other guy in the league that's uh, that's gone through that, and you have a little crying session, like, yeah, here's what he did to me. What's funny? It's All the guys who said you can't win with a jump-shooting team, they're the ones that love the big man, like a Shack, who would go out and just force the ball down your throat. 30, 35 points a game. Just brute force, dominate you. That's why they don't like the jump shooter, because the jump shooter's not shoving a ball down your throat. Jump shooter's using finesse, he's using skill. He's not just using brute force. But we love brute force in America. Steph Curry's not about brute force. That's why he hands out gloom and despair to the naysayers, the big men supporters, the guys who say it can't be done, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and more importantly poor motherfuckers that have to try and stop.
0: day in this neighborhood a beautiful day for a neighbor would you be mine could you be mine fuck you it's a neighborly day in this beauty wood a neighborly day for a beauty would you be mine could you be mine fuck you i have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you what, we have- <laughs> wanted to live in you. dirty fuck. Since we're together, we might as well say, You dirty fuck. Could be mine? Could you be mine?
1: you be my neighbor? Here's where it all starts to come full circle, gang. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Dubs' Neighborhood. Mr. Dubs' Neighborhood, where you learn more by accident than in other places by design. Today's episode of Mr. Dubs' Neighborhood is brought to you by the word Blacist. What's a Blacist? A Blacist is a black guy who gets away with saying incredibly racist shit because the PC police won't ever criticize a black guy. You know them. They're out there. They're everywhere. Just mentioned one in the last segment. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. Now, ESPN's full of Blacists. I could, I could spend all day naming them. Kamani Jones, Chris Broussard, Tom Jackson has his moments. But nobody's better than Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith got away with saying nigger on live television and then denied it as if nobody in this world has a DVR and YouTube. He'll be just fine. Open night uh, open night, Kobe Bryant is gonna miss it because my foot is sprained? Are y'all crazy? Nigga, please. He did it. There's no question he did it. And he didn't get fired for it. Goes without saying. White guy says it, we'd have him tarred and feathered by the end of the business day. But black guys? Stephen A. Smith making his career on being a Blacist. Now, much like many things that are bad in the world, you can actually have some laughs with Blacism. Go back to last week's Academy Awards ceremony with Chris Rock as the host. You know that in a world where Black Lives Matter and in a world where we were having this silly boycott that I talked about a few weeks ago at the Academy Awards, you knew that Chris Rock's job was to go out and give America a raw, uncut dose of straight-up Blacism. Now, here's the thing. Chris Rock's funny. By the time it's all said and done, Chris Rock might be one of the top ten comedians of all time. Yeah, that I mean all time. Like, he belongs... He belongs in the same wing of the Comedy Hall of Fame as Groucho Marx, Don Rickles, and some of the other guys that I just absolutely idolized. Why? Because Chris Rock's not afraid to keep shit really real. And he did exactly that in his monologue at the Academy Awards. There was a great moment where he's on a bit about the boycott. And he talks about, yeah, well, you know what? Black people weren't getting nominated in the 60s either. But you know why? That's because they got bigger problems to worry about then. And there's a moment where he talks about lynchings and killings. And he says a line about, why are black people not going to worry about being in the movies when their grandmother's swinging in a tree? And they cut to a shot of Matt Damon, who is one of the whitest men in America. And Matt Damon has this look on his face, like, "Oh shit, can I can I laugh at that or can I not? Oh, oh God, what do I do?" And they left him on camera long enough to you see that he was he was puckering his asshole so hard, and along with every other white person in that theater, they were all puckering their assholes so hard they were ripping dime sized holes in the seat cushions. That's the positive power of Blacism because. It's real. Oh, all of your PC nonsense doesn't matter when we bring up the ugly realities of history and we bring up what racism really is. Racism isn't about not giving merit where merit is not due. I said this before, I'll say it again. If Spike Lee and Jada Pinkett Smith want to get nominated, then maybe they ought to do something that doesn't suck. Spike Lee hasn't mattered in years, and there's a reason for that. It's not racism because your butt hurt because nobody likes what you do. It's racism when somebody hangs you in a tree because you're black. That's that's the message that Chris Rock said. That's the message that white Hollywood didn't want to hear. But here's the thing. Racism, blacism, all kinds of things that are not politically correct are still the genesis of some of the funniest things ever. And if you don't like it, well, then you're just one of those PC knuckleheads who I mentioned in the open is helping to kill America. And as long as we have Mr. Dubs' neighborhood, there ain't going to be no free trolley trips to the land of make-believe for you motherfuckers.
0: In the news, the rest of the story.
1: Last week we had the 88th Annual Academy Awards. And we didn't talk about it last week because the way you record a podcast and the time that you got to spend editing and producing and post-production and blah, blah, blah. By the time you get it to drop, it's very hard to talk about events that are occurring while you're going through that process. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some things that we need to pay attention to about the Academy Awards. Last segment, we had a little conversation in Mr. Dubs' neighborhood about Blacism. And Blacism paid a very, very strong role in that Academy Awards show. Nobody's really surprised by this. The Academy Awards, an echo chamber for a lot of limousine Hollywood liberals who espouse a lot of goofy political causes that nobody in the rest of america really gives a shit about or if they do they're not the kind of people who can affect things again you can go back and beat the drum on blacism all you want a lot of people took umbrage to leonardo dicaprio when he won best actor and gave a little speech about global warming well you know global warming Is what it is. I'm not here to have the debate over whether it is or is not real. That's really somewhat of a pointless argument if you think about it. But everybody is up in arms because DiCaprio took his moment to make a political statement. It's what they do. If you're surprised by that, if you're outraged by that, then you shouldn't have been watching in the first place. And if you weren't watching and you're still pissed off about it, get a life. Here's the real problem with what DiCaprio did wasn't really a political statement, it was more of a business statement. Nobody paid attention to the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio is spending his own money to make a documentary, quote-unquote, on global warming. And by making that little plug at that moment, he just made himself probably $10 million. Yeah, activism for fun and profit. I ain't got a problem with a guy making money. I got a problem with people who don't understand shit for what it really is. I don't blame DiCaprio for saying what he said. He's trying to make some money. I don't even know if he really gives a shit about global warming. All I know is that he's money into a documentary about it, and he wants to get his money out of it. Don't tell me that in the America of today and a lot of recent yesterdays that people don't pretend to go along with something to achieve another means. Want to know a great example of that? How about the Academy Awards themselves? Does anybody out there know... How the Academy Awards ceremony got started. It was actually started in 1929 and it was not the affair like you know today. The original intention of the Academy Awards was to cleave off the top end of talent in Hollywood and separate them from the rank and file of the Screen Actors Guild. Why were they doing that? Because the Screen Actors Guild was union And they were trying to extort money out of the studios. And it wasn't the stars that were doing it. The stars were making their money. This was all about paying off the guy, the bit player, the character actor, the people who hang around central casting and wait for somebody to throw them a bone in a movie. That's what this was about. And so the studio heads got together and they said, hey, wait a minute. What if we got all of the real talent in Hollywood in a room together at one time, we hand out some sort of award, we feed them a dinner, we make them feel appreciated, they don't get on board with this Screen Actors Guild stuff because we make it very clear that if the union goes on strike, nobody's going to make any money. And that's exactly what they did. And so they rented out the ballroom at the legendary Hotel Roosevelt on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, They invited 300 of the top people in Hollywood. Studio President Louis B. Mayer gets up and he gives out a total of 12 awards. It's a dinner. The ceremony goes on less than 15 minutes and then is pointed at the end by a speech from Union President Douglas Fairbanks who says, Hey, we're all in this together. We can make Hollywood make a lot of money for ourselves or we can all make no money. It's up to you. That's right, gang. The Academy Awards, that known platform of leftist horseshit, its origins, were in union busting, and that's about as non-leftist as you can get.
0: The popcorn you're eating has been pissed in. Film at 11. Now you know who. The rest of the story If you have a problem with anything you've heard on radio J down. Feel free to contact our complaint department at 1 800 South Alpha. You do that, I'm kidding you. Good night until we meet again.
1: You talking to me? You talking to me?
0: i shit.